Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Okay, if you'd like to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 19. Um, this morning we're going to look at some, some of the lessons that we can learn from the life of King David. We all know that he had a, a very long and varied life, full of ups and downs, highs and lows, triumphs and failures. And we're going to look at some of the things that he learnt and some things that we ourselves can learn too. So if you just have, we're going to look at three different chapters this morning, so we're not going to read the text right through, but just have, have your Bibles open in, in that area. So, so my first point from the life of King David is that conflict can often come from misunderstanding. And this story in First Chronicles 19, verses 1 to 8, we can see that um, there was a, a, a misunderstood, compassionate act led to conflict. And what happened was an Ammonite king, um, he died, and King David wanted to do something nice for his bereaved son because King David had had a nice, a good relationship with this king in the past. However, when, uh, when King David's envoy went to this um, new king, Hanan, his advisors told him, um, they said, oh, King David and his envoy, they've come out to spy the land. They've come to do you harm. And so they attacked this envoy. They humiliated them. They cut off their beards and they cut off their robes, which was a humiliating thing for, to do in that day and age. And so the Ammonites suddenly realized um, that they'd made a mistake. And what they did when they realized that they'd made them a mistake and misunderstood what King David had done, they armed themselves. They went out and bought arms from this place, that place, and the other place. And they got themselves ready for an all-out war. And we can read in verse 8, so Chronicles 9, 1 Chronicles 19, verse 8, on hearing this, when King David had heard that they had bought weapons, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. And of course, David's troops go on to defeat their enemy. We always know if, if Joab went out, he was the com- commander of David's army, then the enemy was really in big trouble. And so we can see that Hanan misread, misread David's intentions to be friendly with him. And he got himself into all kinds of trouble, and his people too. And I want us to consider this morning how this event can happen to us. We can be merrily going along our way. When somebody does something for us, which is actually a nice, nice thing, but we misread it, and we mis, misread the intentions of the other people or the motive of the other people, and we can re- react badly and get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. So I want to look at three reasons why there was conflict on this occasion. And firstly, there was some mind reading went on. This is an idea that Peter brought several months ago, that we can can mind read people. And uh, so we can often think that we know what is in other people's minds. That's what I mean by mind reading. And this whole incident occurred because Hanan's advisors got the wrong end of the stick. 
They thought that David was coming as an enemy where he was coming in peace. And unfortunately, this can happen to all of us. But unfortunately, ladies, it tends to happen to us more than to men, doesn't it? We could, perhaps we're naturally more suspicious. Um, we can think that, that um, we can be oversensitive. We can think, oh, she looked at me in that way today at church or, or something in her voice made me think this, that, or the other. And also in this day and age, we have to be so careful how we communicate with each other. We have the ability to communicate with texts and by emails. And we never know when we receive some words how the other person is, how we're going to receive that text. Because it's just words. You can't hear somebody else's voice. You can't see the look in their eyes. And so you, you very, very often can misunderstand text messages or emails. It certainly happened to me quite often. So we, we should always try, if we're dealing with big issues, either to talk on the telephone or it, always much better face-to-face. So that's my first, first point. Um, we, we all do mind reading. We all think we know what other people are thinking. But of course we don't. We haven't got any idea what's going on in somebody else's mind. And the second reason why this conflict happened was because Hanan was given bad advice um, he should have known his family history, that his father had had good relationships with King David. But he, list, he chose to listen to the advisors that told him, that gave him bad advice. And we too need to be careful, very careful, who we take advice from. At this point, you know, can't be stressed enough. The people around us will influence us. The people we spend time with will influence us. There's a saying, isn't there? Show me your friends and I will tell you who you are. And I want to ask you this morning, who is it that speaks into your life? Who do you allow? Who's discipling you? I like to think that all life, all, all the life of a Christian should all be about Jesus. Um, and so in my life, I have three categories of people that I, that I associate with, that, that are the people that I spend my time with. There are people that are further along the journey than me, who are more like Jesus, and I want to be their disciple. I want to come uh, and allow them to speak into my life. I want them to influence me, because I want to be more like Jesus than I am. And then there are other, other people who have decided that they that they think that I'm following Christ and that they want to come after me and I want to disciple them and help them along their journey to become more like Jesus. And then there's another group of people who don't know Jesus at all, but they know that I know Jesus and one day I want to introduce them to him. I once had a very good friend and, um, and I had to distance myself from her because we were Christians together. It was when I was a young Christian and I, I didn't want to become like her. I didn't want her to disciple me because she wasn't following well after Christ. And she didn't want me to speak into her life because basically she just wanted to be funny all the time. And, you know, it's great to be funny. It's, it's, it's you know, we all want to laugh, don't we? But it can't be at the expense of your walk with Jesus. And uh, I wasn't able to help her to become like Jesus because she just wanted to, you know, all she cared about was making people laugh. And she crossed the line again and again. But it was, and it was a difficult thing for me to decide to do. I really have to distance myself from this friend 
And, uh, and so I did so, and it was difficult and awkward and, you know, a painful thing to do. Uh, but, but we got there in the end. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he writes, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's quite something to say about yourself, isn't it? Come and follow me. You know, Jesus said that, and that's okay for him to say. And for, it was okay for Paul to say. Um, but it's what we should want to attain, isn't it? We probably shouldn't go around saying that all the time because we might be filled with pride. But that's what we should att- want to attain, that people would come and follow us as we follow after Christ. So we have to be very careful who we allow to speak into our lives. Who are those people that are advising you? Who are those people who, who are influencing you? Because they will be as you spend time with them. And the third reason why there was conflict, I believe here, is that there was pride. A lot of pride going on. We, re- we can read in verse 6 that the Ammonites realized that they'd become obnoxious to David. And their decision was to arm themselves. And perhaps a better reaction might have been for them to send King David an apology. Even though King David's men had been severely humiliated, the whole event could probably have come to an end there. It certainly would have been worth a try, I think. And we read in verse 8 that King David wasn't ready to go to full-out war until he heard that they had armed themselves. But once the weapons had been brought in, then the, the Ammonites had gone one step too far for things to cool off. And they found themselves in a war, a war against the Israelites. And we know that when, mostly in the Old Testament, when the Israelites went to war, they had God on their side. So perhaps... Um, Pride was, the, was Hanan's, the cause that Hanan wasn't willing to back down. And I think an apology is an amazing form of peace. It is the way of the kingdom, isn't it? The Bible tells us over and over again that God doesn't like proud people. In fact, he opposes them or, or resists them. If you think if you want to resist somebody, what you really want to do is push them away, don't you? You don't want them near you. And that's what the Bible says that God the way God feels towards people that are proud. But he loves and he gives grace to the humble. And I always, it's it's hard to do, but I think that um, an apology always brings that peace, the peace of the kingdom. And even if you haven't actually done anything wrong, still that attitude of backing down, of of, of, of not standing proud, but just allowing peace to come is wonderful. And as you do that, you're following the example of Jesus because you're acting in humility. That wonderful passage in Philippians 2 that talks about Jesus and it says that we should follow after his example. Paul writes that he humbled himself so much. He humbled himself, became a man, humbled himself even to death on a cross. And therefore, because he did that, God exalted him to the highest place And so that's our example. If we humble ourselves, then God pours out his grace to us and exalts us and gives us, you know, a a better time than we had than if he was pressing against us, pushing us away from, from, from him. 
So it's always, as Christians, we should always try and follow that example of humbling ourselves, bringing ourselves low. And it is hard, but all it does cost us is our pride at the end of the day. It's always, and it is so the way of the, way of the kingdom. So always give peace a chance. So those, those are the three reasons why I think that there were conflict, that, that we can see from this story why there was conflict. Um, I have a, a story about my own life where there was a misunderstanding. Uh, probably about six or seven years ago, I went to Italy with my brother. He, had, uh, he lives out there now, but he had an apartment out there, and we were going for a, a little holiday. And many of you know I love the sun. I love sunbathing. And I had a, 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 my daughter doesn't love sunbathing at all. And, but, um, so we were at the beach one morning, and my brother said to me, it was coming along for lunchtime, and my brother said to me, oh, well, why don't I take Emily back? Emily's my daughter. Why don't I take her back to the apartment? We'll make some lunch. You relax in the sun for a little while and uh, come and join us for lunch. So I thought that was marvelous. Didn't have Emily going, when, when are you finished sunbathing? I was, so that was wonderful. I really enjoyed lying in the sun. And then I thought, right, I'll get up. It's time for me to go and have some lunch. So I got up from my uh, sunbed and uh, looked around. And I, I was in my swimming costume. And I had my towel on the, on the sunbed. And I couldn't find my shorts and T-shirt. All I could find was my shoes, my sandals, which weren't flip-flops. They were um, kind of not evening shoes, but getting on for that way. And, uh, and I, saw, I thought, oh, my brother, he's so naughty. He's taken my shorts and T-shirt. I was in no doubt that he'd done it on purpose because he's a bit of a naughty chap. And, <laughs> and um, so I thought, well, what can I do? I can't wait here. They're waiting for me there. And I, I did. so I thought, the only thing I can do is wrap this towel around me. And the walk was from the beach to the, uh, to the apartment was through a busy Italian town. And they, they, weren't, they weren't on holiday, those Italian people. They were working. <laughs> um, so that's what I did. I wrapped the towel around me. I was furious. And I had these shoes on that uh, every time I walked, went clip, clop, clip, clop. <laughs> so it wasn't like, even like I looked like I'd just come from the beach. I just looked like I'd got out of the shower, really. And um, <laughs> so I walked 15 minutes through this town. And, you know, in Italy, all, they're all dressed so beautifully. They all look perfect. And <laughs> I just felt so humiliated. Well, and at the, I walked very fast. <laughs> and when I got to my, my, see my brother, I said, how could you do that to me? What do, it's not funny at all. Look, I just walked all the way through the, through the town. Everyone's been laughing at me. And he said, what, my brother said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I couldn't find my shorts and T-shirt. He said, oh, in Italy, we um, hang them up underneath the umbrella. <laughs> do you know the beach umbrella? You just hang them up underneath in the spokes there. So lo and behold, we went back later to, to the um, beach, and there were my clothes sitting there all along. <laughs> so I had to back down, say I was sorry, and um, of course that's a standing joke. It's repeated every time I see my brother, every time that we're in company. He has great delight in telling that story. <laughs> but I was ready for a big fight. <laughs> 
Mm, okay, so now we're going to look at First uh, Chronicles 21. Again, we're not going to look at the whole passage, um, but when we do, we'll look at uh, verse 24. And my point is, from the life of King David, that worship and devotion must involve sacrifice. So here the Lord asked um, King David to make a sacrifice at the altar, at an, an altar, uh, which, uh, which King David did at the, um, at the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. And when David arrived at that place, Arona had seen the angel of the Lord. And uh, I just imagine this comedy scene of Arona having seen the angel of the Lord and being afraid because in the, in the Bible, every time an angel appears, doesn't he, they say, don't be afraid. And I just have this picture of a, of, of a Rona being so, so afraid when he saw the angel that when, um, King David arrives, his first words are, just take it, take it. And, uh, a offers to David the, the, the threshing floor for free. And he even offers the oxen and the other things that King David needed to, to make the offering. But King David's response was, um, he replied, no, I, this, sorry, this is verse 24. Um, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that has cost me nothing. And here we see a principle that we must walk in in our Christian lives. Our Christianity should not be a walk in the park. Our salvation has come easy for us. Jesus did all of the hard work on the cross for us. He has done everything. The only thing, it, it, it might have, our salvation might have cost other people prayers, but for us, it didn't cost us anything. Suddenly, we understood that Jesus is Lord. We understood what he did, had done on the cross for us, and we, and we decided to follow after him. But our, cross, our Christian walk is a different matter, and that should be something that is um, costing us something. If it's easy, then I'm afraid something's wrong. We, um, but we can be like King David, I'm sure, in this situation, that he's probably tempted to not pay, pay the full price himself. Our sacrifice can come in many forms. Our walk with the Lord should be costing us time. It should be costing us money. It should be costing us sometimes our friendship, like I described earlier with, with my friend. And it should be costing us a, a great deal of our leisure time. If you've got loads of time, more time than you know what to do with, which I'm sure most of us don't have, there's something wrong. And if we take shortcuts, then we're not bringing our best offering to the Lord. If we let others do it, like Arona wanted to, to, to um, give King David that the threshing floor for free, if we're letting other people do things for us, then we're not modeling our lives on the way that God wants us to. So I want to ask you this morning, is there anything that God has asked you to do that you haven't yet got on with? Just like this morning Joe was talking about, we did, has God challenged you to, to talk to your neighbors, people that are around you that are, that are not saved, that you'll need to get to know and in the fullness of time you can introduce to Jesus Perhaps um, God has been talking to you, because God will talk all the time. We just need to tune into him. Has he been talking to you about serving in the church? Or perhaps giving to a charity, a charity that he's laid on your heart? Or even giving to, to the King's Church project? 
in all these circumstances, it will never feel like it's the right time. It never does when we're going to take a risk. But in taking that risk, God will meet us like he met um, Peter. As, as Peter stepped out of the boat, Jesus, uh, Jesus was there for him, wasn't he? And, and, and Peter was able to walk on the water. And as we take risks for Jesus, we'll find that we can do things that we never, ever thought that we'd be able to do. And then we, when we obey him, when we say, when we finally give up, and we stop that fighting, then we'll come under incredible blessing. And this, um, the site of Arona, the Jebusite, where David made that sacrifice, was actually on Mount Moriah, where a thousand years old, earlier, God had stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. So it was a place of sacrifice. And God went on to um, have the temple built on that site. So he always, we see here that he, he built on the site of sacrifice. And he will also build on your sacrifice. Whatever he's asking you to do, when you get on, from, when you get on with it, you'll find that God will really build your life up as you have sacrificed to him. So I just feel the Holy Spirit wanting to ask some of us today, is it, start, is it time for you to start paying that price? Is there something that he's been challenging you with and that you've just kept putting that voice to one side and saying, no, it's not the right time just yet, later, but it will never feel like the right time. And so I just want to bring that challenge to you today from the Holy Spirit. Is it time for you to start paying the price now? And I promise you, because God is faithful, that if you sacrifice, then he will build on your sacrifice. The temple was built, wasn't it, to house the presence of God. And perhaps that's how God will reward you, by his presence coming to you afresh. I don't know how God will reward you, but he will, because he's so faithful and wonderful. So our walk, our Christian walk, should cost us something. And in, in that cost, God will meet us. And my final point this morning is that we must invest in the future generation. We're going to look at First uh, Chronicles 22 and verse 5. King David understood that he could not do everything himself. And he had to prepare for the next generation. So we read in verse 5. David said, Solomon, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence, fame and splendor in the sight of all nations. They wanted to build something magnificent for God. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. And we know that Solomon was chosen to build the temple because David had been a man of war. And the Lord wanted a man of peace to build his house for him. But David spent the last part of his life investing in the life of, of Solomon and into the preparations of the temple so that Solomon would succeed in his call from the Lord. I want to I ask this morning, what are we investing? Because we can only pass on into the lives of others things that we've already obtained ourselves. David had accumulated riches throughout his life and it was those things that he'd accumulated that he used to build the temple. 
And we also need to accumulate riches as we walk with Jesus. He'll give us, if we'll spend time with him, if we'll devote ourselves to him, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God, he will give us riches along the way. And those those are the things that we can then pass on to others. Um, In Acts 3 verse 6, Peter and John are going to the temple and there's the the beggar asks them for money and uh, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. He didn't have money, but what I have I give to you. And that he had a rich richness from God in him, in, in a healing gift. And, and, he gave, and, he, and he, they prayed for the, him and he went around praising God because he could then walk. It's an, an amazing thing. That's what, that was the richness of the kingdom that he had in his life. Hebrews 5 challenges us. And says, are we of those who still need milk and still don't know the elementary truths of God's word? Or have we moved on to solid food, having trained ourselves to distinguish good from evil? That's very interesting there, isn't it? That it says we need to train ourselves. Nobody else is going to train you. You can come to Bible college. You could, sorry, you can come to Bible school. You can come to church. But that you diligently need to seek God in order to, tra- to train yourself. That's what we must all be doing ourselves, training ourselves to follow after Jesus. One of the most powerful investments that we can have is um, how we live out our Christian walk, I, I believe. My t- daughter Emily is uh, 20 this week, can't believe that. And, and she's, not, she's not walking with the Lord at the moment. But she knows what it means to be a Christian because she watched me completely turn my life around when I gave my life to God. It didn't happen overnight. I, I, it took a, it was a process that I went through as I came closer and closer to God. But I, I did turn my life around. And I'm not saying that I do everything right at all. In fact, when she's sort of watching and waiting, when's, she gonna, when's mom going to say something wrong? And, um, and she picks me up immediately. And, and tells me, you're not, you're a Christian, you shouldn't say something like that. And that's what everyone's doing in your lives too. They're, the people that don't know Jesus, they're watching, they're waiting. What do you, when are you going to slip up so that they can, can say, you see? Um, Emily was like that, especially when she was at sixth form college. She, because um, she knows the, the standard of Christianity that, that I walk in. She's, uh, people at, in her sixth form college say, oh, I'm a Christian. And then they go out um, at, in, at the weekends and get drunk and, and uh, do other things. And she say that, that she recognized that that was wrong, that if we're, following, if we're calling ourselves Christians, we need to follow after Jesus. Well, we all make mistakes, but habitual sin can be recognized by those around us, can't it? But I believe that with Emily, she... Um, she knows the standard that's required, and so she's kind of waiting until she feels like she can fulfill that because she hasn't understood grace yet. And, um, but I believe with all my heart, sorry, I'm being a bit indulgent now, but I believe with all my heart, Jesus said you need a, 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 a mustard seed of faith. Um, uh, you need a mustard seed, a seed of faith. And I, have, I was trying to think of the biggest uh, seed that I can think of, so I came up with a pumpkin or a, or a sunflower seed. That's how much faith I have that Emily will come to Christ. Because, um, and she, and she know, and I believe she'll be a first class Christian when she does. 
And God's put in her heart already a beautiful compassion for, um, for people who are, are not as fortunate as, as her, something that God's had to work in my heart, but he's given it to her as a gift. And I know that it's straight from his heart, and he will use that for his glory when she comes to Christ. She's also known the, the um, character of Father God through her relationship with Peter, who has shown her he's been loving and gentle and kind towards her, and yet he's also been firm and immovable when necessary. Not something I was very good at, but when I married Peter, <laughs> that was something that he bought. So, um, so anyway, sorry, I've been indulgent talking about Emily, but um, I just wanted to say we we need to um, set a standard that we do live by, that we do walk in as Christians, because otherwise, people around us will see they'll, they'll think that we're that we're fake, and we don't want to be fake Christians, and we give end up giving Christians a bad name actually. So I want to also ask, who are we investing in this morning? There should come a point in our Christian lives, because it's obviously not right at the beginning of our walk with Jesus, but there should come a, a point in our Christian lives where we reach a place that we have things, we have these treasures that I was talking about to pass on to others. God will teach us all of the time new things, and if we're living on track with him, then he'll bring people into our lives who he's trusting entrusting into our care, entrusting that we will spend our time and energy investing into their lives. We can all put a mask on, can't we, when we come to church and everyone says, how, how, how are you today? And we'll go, yeah, fine, thank you. <laughs> and really, we feel lousy. And, uh, but it's, it's when we're at home that our true characters are shown. It's our spouses, our children, our close friends and relatives who have a window into who we really are. But God will place into our lives certain people that we will have influence over. And we need to be aware that that's what's going on. And we can invest positively or we can invest negatively into the lives, into people's lives. If you are a gossip at home, then you'll bring your children up to to believe that it's okay to gossip. If you are um, positive at home, then you'll more than likely raise positive children. Um, I love talking to Joshua Tilbury. None of them are in the, in the, the room at the moment. And because Joshua thinks that his dad is just the best. And of course, Lee Tilbury is a great person. But Joshua says, my dad thinks this. My dad thinks that. My dad this and the other. And I just think, wow, it's so amazing. Lee, at the moment, has such influence into Joshua's life. He could tell him, oh, we're going to go and rob a bank. And Joshua comes, my dad says we're going to rob a bank. It's going to be great. <laughs> because he's just, he can speak into Joshua's life. And, and he just, it's, it's amazing to see the influence that, that that parents do have on their children. But it's so important that we would be kingdom-minded. The gospel is so fundamental, and we really must get this right. If, the, if there's one thing that we, as Christians, must get right, is the preaching of the gospel. Um, and I have the privilege of, of leading our youth group, and I have the responsibility before God of what am I going to pass on to these young people? 
these people that God has entrusted into my care for this season. And I don't know how long it's going to last either, but I, so I count it a very high responsibility. So I'm just thinking about some of those things that, that God has, those treasures that I've been given that I can pass on to these, to these wonderful young people in the next generation. But the, the first thing is we must get the gospel right. You know, so often we hear that people preach the gospel. Oh, invite Jesus into your heart and he's got a wonderful plan for your life and everything will be brilliant. And, you know, as Christians, we have had experiences that everything, you know, it's wonderful to have Jesus in your life. We, we've come to a point where we know we have to have Jesus in our life. But we've also walked the walk long enough to know that things still go wrong and things are hard. And Jesus actually said in Mark 14 that they will, people will hate you on account of me. And that doesn't quite ring true with, oh, invite Jesus into your heart and everything will go swimmingly. If people, people will hate you on account of me, you have to know, brace yourself, that might happen to you. That could happen. And I don't think anyone's actually hated me for following Jesus. But I know that some people could dislike what they believe I stand for. And that's a hard that's a hard thing to take, but that's a thing that we must stand firm in. So we must know that when we preach the gospel, that we must tell all of the truth. <laughs> Not half the truth, all of the truth. What else must I teach the youth? That the Bible is supreme. It is the word of God. It's the complete word of God. And, uh, and uh, I just want to teach them that it's it's so wonderful. Still, it's the, still the number one world's bestseller. A hundred mil, million copies are still sold of the Bible every year. No other book in the world sells better than the Bible. Amen. What else can I teach? It's so important to have devotional time where you develop your own relationship with God as you invest in your relationship with God, that you would know him. Another thing I want to teach is that purity is so important the Bible says, I think it's Psalm 24, it says, Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. These are, such, these are, these are fundamental things that we need to, to, to pass on, some fundamental treasures that we need to walk in. And that, it's hard to walk in purity, but we must watch what we think, what we say, what we watch, what we read. These are, are very important things as Christians that we do. And to teach them the important worship of abandoning yourself to Jesus, of following him wholeheartedly, of having devotional times, I've said that, of, of being an intercessor. There's so many different things I want to, that, that God has um, given me as treasures that I want to pass on. So we can, and we can pass on positively, but we can also pass on negatively. I have a, a story, well, it's, not, it's a true story of a, a negative way in which my life was, um, was influenced. You may be shocked by this. I'm, I, I still am when I think back, but it was many years ago. Um, when I was a teenager, I went to a church, and the vicar's wife there was the youth leader, and she smoked cigarettes. And um, guess what? Most of the children in the youth group, most of us, were smokers. I actually went... Most of us went there smokers, but there wasn't there that, there wasn't that challenge that this isn't right, that you, sh that you shouldn't actually be smoking as a Christian. And I know it's not a huge sin. I used to be a smoker myself, and God's given me, God delivered me quite miraculously from that addiction. But 
But, you know, we should have been taught in youth group, Christian youth group that it wasn't okay to smoke. And, but we thought, well, if, if it's all right for, for her to do it, it's okay for us too. And uh, so we must uh, recognize the influence that we have, the way we live our lives is very, very powerful and very strong. Now, I want to finish with the thought that um, as we invest positively into other people's lives, we will raise disciples. We will be discipling people because that's who Christians are. Um, in Acts 11:26, the disciples says that the, Luke writes, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They were called Christians or little Christs because they, rec- because they were recognized as being imitators of Christ. And I want to leave us with the challenge this morning. Are we called Christians because we're recognized as being followers of Christ? Or are we, um, and because people see our, in our actions and our characters that we are following after Christ, or are we called Christians because we ourselves have given us that label ourselves? Can we truly say, as Paul said again in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow Christ? Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.